You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. What's going on, Unstucked fam? If you're loving the podcast, be sure to visit unstuck.com for more resources, ways to work one-on-one with me and my company, Unstucked, as well as our free Unstucked guide to help you get unstuck in your career, life, finances, and business. Some exciting news, we have launched our budgeting course where I will sit down with you and walk you through our custom budget. The link will be below. More exciting news, we have gotten a feature spot in Medium. The name of the article is Here Are Three Signs It Is Time to Fire Your Boss. You can find the link below. I hope you read it. I hope you enjoy it. And most importantly, I hope you learn something from it. I'm so happy you're here for the ride. And now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstuck Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Dumas. Today, I'm joined by Nicole Davison. Hey, Nicole, how are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. I was just telling you, there's something about a Sunday morning podcast that just is different from the rest of them. I just, I can feel the magic already. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm thankful you're having me. So thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So let's jump straight in. What's your story? Like, when did you feel called to start helping people get aligned with their ideal career? You mentioned you've been doing this for about 15 years, which is awesome. And I'm just entering that space. So I want to hear a little bit about what called you over to the space. Well, you know, it's funny when someone asks me, what's my story? I sometimes want to go in 10 different directions because obviously everybody has a story. And, you know, I've been in the workforce for probably about 27 years. And so when I think about my story, I try to think back to the foundation of where I started. So, you know, I started in the workforce in 1995. Yes, that was a very long time ago. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, that's awesome. Right? No, you're probably like, oh my gosh, you're so old. But no, I'm really, it's just funny. No, because, not at all. no not, you're not old. I'm just laughing because I was two. <laughs> I know. It's well, and it's funny because I think just the space that we're all in, we're learning so much from one another. And I learned from your generation, you're learning from mine. And when I started in the workforce, I started in the corporate world. You know, I worked in corporate for many years. And when you ask me what motivated me to help others find their careers, my career kind of brought me here. And, you know, I think after being in corporate for many years and then I transitioned into higher education, I realized how lost so many students were. I realized that my insight, my experience, the failures, the successes, everything could help so many. So that it's kind of, it just evolved here. It brought me here. And it it wasn't something that I woke up one day and said, this is what I'm going to do. And it wasn't something that I ever had a dream to do. My career just brought me here. I love that because I think a lot of people have that same experience and fight against it instead of going with it. I'm 28 and I've had the same kind of revelation when I look back at my successes and I look back at just the path I've taken to your point you kind of just get there. And you also said something that is really interesting, right? People are so lost. And when you said that, the first thing that popped into my head was my freshman and my senior year of college. Because freshman year of college, they bring you to like a career center and they kind of show you like, hey, this is what you're building up toward. The ability to go and apply. And in the room were a bunch of seniors who looked just as lost as I was at the career center. And what you learn actually, right, is like that was the last time, like so when you're a freshman, you go into the career center. And they came back as a senior and we went in maybe one or two times. We wrote like a really ugly resume and were told to apply to one or two jobs. And now when I look back, that is so ridiculous. <laughs> actually, what helps us land jobs was going and having internships and building relationships 
So when you talk about like schooling and just the effect that has, I think that has a piece of it. But like, why are people so lost in finding their careers? What makes it so difficult? Wow, that's kind of the million dollar question, right? You know, why are people so lost? And when I think back to where it all starts for each of us, everyone is different. And I think your generation, Khalil, is so different because you're seeing everything right in front of your eyes. You know, you're seeing it on social media, you're hearing about it on the news, where this one's successful, this one. And I think there's a patience that has been lost in being able to sit with where you are today and where you're going tomorrow. But I feel like a unicorn sometimes when I say this. I've been in the space of career coach, but also career counselor. When I made the decision to go back to graduate school, I was in my late 20s. And if you would have told me when I was in college that I would be doing what I'm doing, I would have, number one, some of it didn't even exist. Number two, it wasn't on my radar. And when you think about where you grew up, you know, the values that you started with, who influenced you? Everyone is different. And I think some of us that are lost, it's the path that we're taking that's bringing us there. And it's okay to be lost. You know, sometimes when you're lost, that's where you experience the most growth. When I think about when I started in the workforce, right out of college, I didn't even think about being lost. I just kept going. I, you know, I was on a path and I never really even thought about it. I just wanted to work. I wanted to get a job. And that's changed for so many. The workforce has changed. Priorities have changed. Everything has changed. Absolutely. And that's wonderful. I absolutely love the two things you said. The first thing is that like patience has been lost. And, you know, I've definitely recognized that. And I see in a lot of my friends who will try something and right, they'll have a bad day. And they'll just be like, maybe this isn't for me. To your point, you have to push through those bad days. And, you know, personally, when I started this business, when I started this podcast, I wrote like myself like a little pact. I said, I'm going to do this for two to three years. And I kind of put that patience on myself because when I had those bad days, I have my little vision board over there. I look at that statement and I say, I'm doing this for two to three years. So that is absolutely crucial. And then you said something else that is, I think, even just a bigger problem in general with systems is we're all individuals and systems like college systems, even like corporate, treat you like everyone else. And so that's where I see your value and my value is helping people see the nuance in their life and move forward. So. If I'm coming to you, right, I'm, you know, I'm either a new grad or maybe I'm just entering my 30s and I want a career change. Like walk me through like a session with you. Like, like how do you start to calibrate with your clients? Like what are some of the things you do to treat them like individuals? Just curious kind of what a session with you looks like. Well, I love that question because first of all, every client is different. And obviously for me with the services that I provide, it depends on what they're looking for. For example, I have some clients that are recent college graduates or some of them are trying to decide whether they even want to go to college. There's also career transition clients that have been in a career for five, 10 years and they're not happy. They don't even know where to start. I always start with getting to know my client. You know, just to tell me about their background, where they came from, what they are looking to do, what their goals are. So the first session when I work with a client has a lot to do with intake. And when you think about goals, there are very different goals from a career standpoint versus a life standpoint. You know, and a lot of times I'll say to a client, you need to know the difference between a job, a career, and a calling. Because some jobs are temporary and it depends on what your goals are for a job. There are many that are in the workforce that they get a job just to get a job. And all of a sudden, three years in, they're realizing, and this is what really what led me to this after working in higher education for so long. A lot of students, they come to college and they say, oh, I'm going to major in finance. I'm, I'm going to go into finance. 
but they don't always ask themselves why. You know, I didn't do that. I majored in finance and no one ever asked me why. And if someone had asked me that, I might have gone down a very different path because I'm not a numbers person. I'm not even going with my own budget, let alone someone else's. And, (laughs) you know, and, and it's just one of those things where I think many young people, when they are getting ready to go and just fly, you know, just to be independent and live on their own, they have this vision in their mind, but they don't take a step back and think, why am I doing this? What does this mean to me? So that's big for me. So I think to kind of go back to the foundation of what you just asked me, what does a session look like? You know, what does it look like working with a new client? It's really just getting to know one another and learning about why they're even coming to me, what they're looking for, what their goals are. Absolutely. And that why is a question that, like I said, those systems don't ask. You're kind of a number on that. And it's funny you mentioned, you kind of talked about choosing majors. And I remember I was really bad at math. Like it's something that like it took me a while to get over from elementary school to middle school. I had like an inherent fear of math because like who doesn't at that age, right? And I chose econ and finance to get over my fear of math. Like that's why I chose my major, not because it was a calling, not any of that. I was a four sport athlete. So I was hyper competitive at the time. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to choose these majors and get over it. Really happy I did that. But to your point, when I left college, I did not find myself in an econ and finance role. I actually found myself in data analytics and a whole other element. So to your point, asking that why is important. And we should be asking that why and teaching kids really from a young age, you know, even kindergarten, we should be instilling why into their brains. Luckily, I was a naturally curious person. So most of the time, like to your point, like I had a why, but I find that a lot of people don't really unpack that why for a long time and sometimes even into their 30s. Yeah, that's so important because the why changes. Your why when you're 10, 15, 25, 35, I'm almost 50. And my why has changed. My goals have changed. My purpose has changed. And I think that kind of goes back to why are people lost right now, right? Everyone is different. Everyone's journey is different. You know, I think back to when I was growing up just with my childhood and I lost my mother when I was very young. And my father was really the foundation of the career ambitions that I held. And he was a financial analyst in the beginning of his career. And so where do you think I got finance from? You know, like his influence had so much to do. I wanted to make him proud. He worked on Wall Street. And, you know, that was something I always said, I'm going to be just like my dad. But what I didn't realize is I was nothing like my father. He was an introvert. I was an extrovert. He didn't like being around people. I thrive on it. And that's a huge thing. And I think that one of the things that led me to career counseling, career coaching is get to know yourself because people in general, they'll compare their careers to everyone else and think, well, why aren't I successful? Well, why aren't I doing this? Everyone is different. You know, even just, and I know we'll get to this, but with what's been going on in the workforce with the changes, some want to work hybrid, some want to work remotely. You know, there's so many things, but not everyone is meant to do the same thing. And that's important to sit with that for yourself. Absolutely. And when, you know, for yourself too, you know, when clients come to you or when clients come to me, you know, something that I always say is this intake process, like you mentioned, is unique and special and a value add because tell me the last time someone actually sat down and listened to you for an hour and asked you to just put the spotlight on you and really unpacked those serious questions like you were just bringing up about your why changing or calibrating with your skills and preferences. Like we don't get to have that space. And you mentioned kind of the changes that are going on today. And so, you know, the great resignation is something that is kind of 
started to die out a little bit in terms of how popular that was. Remember at the beginning of the year, you couldn't escape that hashtag. You couldn't escape that headline. And you're starting to see people take their power back and starting to have options. And where do you sit with all of this? Like, how has this great resignation like impacted your clients? How has this ever-evolving workplace and workplace expectations made an impression or, or even maybe hurt some of your clients? Like, what are some of those conversations that you've been having around just the rapid change that's been going on? The changes honestly have really gone across the gamut. I mean, it's been everywhere. I think there are individuals out there that were looking for an opportunity to make a change. And in that respect, the great resignation has worked out beautifully. It makes me laugh. And I think this is probably generational where it's trending, you know, like it was trending. Yeah, it is trending. Yeah, Oh my God. And it was, and it was hashtag great resignation. And, but you're also hearing about the great boomerang where there are people that left the workplace that they were in only to realize that the grass isn't always greener. And they thought that, oh, you know what? I wasn't happy here. And then they realized, you know what? I actually had it really good over there. I looked at some of even friends of mine that are in the workplace, right? For many decades, they were working and they weren't getting the flexibility that they needed. And maybe they wanted one day off so that they could get the kids off the bus and their employer wouldn't allow them to have that flexibility. With the pandemic and with all these changes, there was a benefit in that where I think many employers realize, wow, you know what? You can be productive and work from home. But then there are people that are kind of like, wow, you know what? I'm not happy this is not my purpose. This is not where I want to be. I'm out. Just peace out, <laughs> you know? And and it's and that's where I feel like the great resignation is bigger than just resigning. It's just realigning your purpose, reevaluating what work actually means to you. And again, it is very different with generations because, you know, even my generation, we've seen the change where when I started in the workforce, you know, I would have the values instilled from my father where He would say, well, you know, you just work. You don't leave your job. You just keep going. You stay in it for 40 years. And someone like me, I was always like, I don't agree with that at all. And then your generation is kind of like, well, if this isn't working with my workplace balance, then I'm out of here. Where I almost wish that I had that as an option 20 years ago because we endured things in some ways where I was kind of like, well, that's not fair. You know, And, and so I think finding a balance is so important. But as far as the great resignation I think it's great to have it in the conversation, but be aware of what you're walking away from. You know, are you leaving for the right reasons? And give yourself that opportunity to really understand what you're walking away from before you actually resign. You know, it's okay to have a tough day at work sometimes, and it's okay to have a boss that is hard to work with because there are going to be difficult people that you're going to have to interact with in your life. But is it normal to go into work and dread it every day. I mean, you know, that's not good. No one wants to do that. You spend most of your time working. So I think it's important to just kind of sit with why it actually is that you are looking to leave your current employment. Is that, I'm totally going off on a tangent. No, not at all. That was wonderful. Um, You're making some wonderful points. And I think, you know, two things on that. I just had Rachel Cook on my podcast and she mentioned something. She actually helps train and also coach women CEOs. And she said one of the most important things she tells her women CEO clients, and again, goes back to just being a worker too, because whether you recognize it or not in your own facet, in your own life, you're the CEO. 
And she said something that all CEOs should have is a thrive list, something that you can always refer to when you're feeling burnt out, if you're getting short with people, if you're just having a hard time as you have probably turned away from taking care of yourself. And that thrive list is meant to realign you with what makes you happy and what helps you thrive. And you mentioned something really awesome, which I think a lot of people forget is what does your thrive list look like at work? You know, for me, I've always told employers, not always, but recently, you know, ever since I sold a startup and I've, you know, again, for a 28 year old, I've moved pretty fast to the workforce and found my calling and whatnot. But I had to learn that I'm not like most workers. And the way that I kind of convey that is, you know, I have an owner's mindset. I don't have an employee mindset. So I recognize my skills and capabilities won't take me eight hours in a day. Normally, I can finish working about an hour and a half, two hours because of my efficiency and because of my skill set. And I've never been able to like convey that to an employer because I think, oh my gosh, they're paying me for eight hours. I have to work eight hours. No, they're paying you for your skill sets. That eight hours is just kind of structure for you. But if you get all your work done, you don't have to sit for eight hours. And I think that's something that's definitely changed for my generation. And you mentioned staying in a career for years and years, you know, I've changed careers four or five times before I was 28. And the reason I did that were because I saw signs of a bad boss. And I actually got a publication in Medium, which will launch, if you're listening to this episode, it would have launched last Tuesday, where I give people the three signs of a bad boss. And the three signs of a bad boss, and I want you to weigh in on these, is there's no career path for you. Your boss is passive aggressive, disrespectful, or gaslights you or your boss refuses to give you visibility in the organization. So those are my three like big red flags. Like if you are experiencing this on a regular basis, run for the hills. And I wanted to get your take on that because I think to your point, which you just said, right? Like bad bosses are, can be okay, but you know, where do you draw that line where you're saying, no, this is unacceptable. You need to look for something else. It's so funny, Khalil, because as you're saying that, the biggest word that just kept jumping out of my head was sales, 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 meaning I started my career in sales. And I wish that I had during this time, because I think had I been here now, like in the beginning of my career, I might have made very different changes. For example, when I started in sales, I was just getting a job. I wasn't thinking of a career. You know, I just moved down to Baltimore with a bunch of my friends and, you know, we were living on our own. I had no money in the bank. I literally just had to get a job. And so I was so lucky to find my first job out of college. And I was at ADP selling payroll and the training was incredible. You know, I talk about this on my podcast. The first day of training, I remember looking at the trainer that was teaching us how to sell, thinking, I want to do that. I like that job. and But I knew in my heart that I needed to get good at something before I could become a corporate trainer. And that was later on in my career. But the reason I say that, for years, I found myself in these sales jobs that they were trying to help me. The managers were trying to coach me on being a better salesperson, but I didn't like sales. I liked to teach people how to sell. My drive was not, you know, again, this may sound crazy to some entrepreneurs, but it was never a motivation for me to make a ton of money. It was more a motivation to me to help people, to make sure that I'm helping others. And I didn't really know what that meant. So when it comes back to the bad boss, as far as not having a future within a particular role, I had good mentors but I didn't have a direction. You know, I didn't really have that ladder for me to climb. And so that really resonated what you just said, because depending on where you are when you enter the workforce, 
you're going to be different than the person sitting next to you as far as what's important to you, what drives you, you know, and for some, it doesn't make a difference. You just do it and you go. But for me, I never really felt like I belonged in that seat in that first job. Yeah, absolutely. And I resonate and actually can relate. I always thought I wanted to be a teacher, but talk about influence. You know, my dad has been a serial entrepreneur. He's never worked for anyone his whole life, his whole career, maybe for a year or two. He's an architect when he was first getting started. Uh, So he always used to instill that in me is, you know, don't work for anyone else and make a lot of money. And so naturally when that want to become a teacher came up, you know, I thought, okay, well, I'm working for someone, so that's not doesn't work. And also, I'm not making a lot of money, so I can't do that. As I got older, that teaching influence, to your point, I've had very similar moments where, you know, for example, at my startup, you know, I started off before I got equity and whatnot. I was a solutions engineer. I was teaching people how to use the software, how to create an ROI from the software. And I loved it. Yeah, I really, really loved it. And to your point, I realized that I liked teaching. So here we are, right? Podcasting, right? That's teaching people, you know, coaching people. That's teaching people. And so that was that was huge for me. Yeah, one thing I wanted to mention with that, when I think about the teaching component, the sales component, I remember my father saying to me when I went into the corporate training space, he said, there's no money in that. And a lot of parents say that to young people where, you know, they'll say, oh, I want to be a teacher. They're like, well, there's no money in that. Well, again, you need to look at the big picture of what you're looking to do because, you know, you've mentioned serial entrepreneur, you know, being an entrepreneur. I never had the goal to have my own business. That was never on my radar. And there are many, even students now that I work with, and they'll say, well, I'll never work for anyone else. I want to be my own boss. Well, you have to have a product or a service or something. But for me, I could have been that that employee forever. I probably would have been very happy. But one thing I wanted to touch on that we haven't talked about, and I think it's important for all of your listeners and clients to keep this in the back of their mind, because I think that generationally, it is very different. Learning how to cope with life as it comes. And the reason that I say that, when I think back on my career, all of the changes that I've made, it had most to do with my life, not my career. And that's something that's so important. As many of your clientele are, you know, looking to get onto the next role, to level up, to do different things, that's great. But when your life happens, sometimes your path is going to get completely offended. And the reason I say that, you know, I'm 27 years into the workforce. And if you were to look on like a pie chart or, you know, like on a chart to see where I made my biggest changes, it had more to do with my life than my career. And that's the thing. I mean, I, I'm i a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a neighbor, I'm in my community. There are so many things that have to do with my life. And for many people listening right now, they may be one job away from a huge life change, whether it's the death of a parent or the illness of their spouse or, you know, a big event that occurs in their life. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I always want to not educate my clients on, but remind my clients that it's okay to feel overwhelmed. And this is one of the things I love about your podcast, Khalil, is the being stuck, right? You know, why are you feeling stuck? And your career is just a piece of that. It's only one piece of who you are. And sometimes when you're feeling stuck, it has nothing to do with your job. It has to do with other things. Absolutely, it does. And I think you made some wonderful points that kind of will blend into some of the things we were just talking about. And I think, and I know you're correct on that. And whether when you're younger in your career, you don't recognize it, but that goes hand in hand with a good career and a good leader 
all of those things you just mentioned, right? And I wrap up this article, which I haven't released yet, but I wrap up the article talking about how I found this leadership that worked for me. And what made that leadership wonderful was, number one, they saw me as a person. That's one of the first points that I made. And it's so true because when I think back to workplaces that didn't work for me, they didn't see me as this person. They saw me as staff. And I have a very unique and vulnerable example. Uh, I have chronic kidney stones. And it started when I was around 21, 22. And I remember having a boss when I would say, hey, I have this. I was working for another startup. It was an apparel startup at the time. And I told them, hey, I have kidney stones. I'm going to be out for two weeks. And the first thing that the CEO said was, are you sure you need a full two weeks? And right away, that was the moment I realized how important it is to work for a leader that sees you as a person. And that was something that didn't happen there. And now I fast forward, you know, I have a business, but I also uh, have a startup and I have someone I report to who is the EVP. And we've been working together for about seven years. And that same instance happened. And I said, hey, I have kidney stones. I need to take two weeks off. He said, first off, I'm so sorry. That's awful. His wife sent me like, you know, a whole kit and everything. Like they sent me things to like help me out. And they said, he said, don't put a time frame on it. You let me know when you're feeling better. Just, just text me. This work can wait. And that was the moment that I just was like, I, that is night and day, right? Seeing you as a person is number one, right? And then trusting you and believing in you as that other piece to seeing you as a person. And so I wanted to just really highlight that because you said your ability to cope is major, but also you have, and we have these values to help people and your leadership should have the same want, not just in helping you with your career, but helping you cope. They should be helping you every step of the way. And so I appreciate you sharing that because it is huge. Most people think, well, it's my job. They don't need to cater to me that much. I need to step up. I need, and that's that old school mindset that, you know, you are just a number, that you are just there to work. When I think my generation has demanded to be seen as a people first before workers. Exactly. And I think having a balance there is so important generationally. And that's something that I've seen because, you know, for me, seeing the changes that have occurred in the workforce, I, I mean, I think back to when I was in my 20s, I share this with everyone in my life. I've always been an anxious person. And I think when I started in the workforce, you couldn't talk about emotions. You couldn't, nobody talked about mental health. No one talked about anything. You just went to work, you did your job, you went home. And that shifted. And, you know, in some ways it's great. But I think that your generation especially, we need to be able to meet in the middle, you know, because I see that all the time and I always laugh at the reels that are out there and, you know, like, oh, I'm out, you know, my, my manager wants to do a 9 a.m. meeting, forget it, you know, and it's funny to me, but I think that we all have so much to learn from one another and the coping piece, everyone copes differently, right? There are some that want to talk about it and some that don't. And I think, yeah, it is. It's important to find that balance in your career and in your life. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I talk about this a lot with actually my wife's mom. She's actually worked from home for about 23 years. So she's been a pioneer in her own regard in that sense. And so uh, we talk about it all the time, how to your point, you know, your generation really just worked and didn't ask questions. And my generation is the exact opposite. And it's funny because we always talk about pendulums, right? And they always swing back. And so they swung so aggressively toward corporations. Now it's swinging really aggressively. And I don't even think we've seen the end of that pendulum swing. I think we're just at the beginnings of it uh, where you start to demand, right? I've been working from home now for three years. It's such a difference. When I think back to driving into an office and, and living that life, I'm like, how did I do that? 
And I think the difference in generations is my generation, as well as yours, but my generation has been hit with catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe from global recessions to global pandemics, right? To now, and we would even see this great resignation even, you know, and we're entering into another recession. You know, this is my third recession before 30. So what that's allowed us to do is ask why? Because we've had that time. And I think it's a system was set up purposefully back in the day to not give you time to ask why, to work you so hard. You don't have that ability to ask why. And I know I have listeners that work in fast food. I know I have listeners that work in very intensive work environments. And so, you know, if you take anything from Nicole and I right now, it's take that stillness, ask why, align yourself with a career that gives you the opportunity to have a break. You know, I have unlimited PTO, which is something I had to barter for. Not very hard because I love my leadership. And they're like, we know you. I actually came into an interview and instead of asking, hey, what's work-life balance like here? I ask the question, what is life-work balance here? And I say it that way so that we can start calibrating on the fact that life comes before this work all day, every day. And that's something that's really important. It is. It's funny. I I have to touch on this because it's really funny. Again, not to keep going back and forth about generations, but whenever you say work-life balance, I just have this vision of like a corporate CEO that just rolls his eyes like work-life balance. What Really? But there's a lot to be said about that. And I, I, you mentioned just the catastrophes that have hit, right? When I was in corporate, you know, my career evolved where I worked in sales and I found my way into the staffing industry. And at the time, I thought it was my dream job. I loved working in the staffing industry, which really brought me to where I am today. And as my career evolved with the company that I worked at, I ended up as a corporate trainer, ended up moving up to the Northeast to be with my then, you know, fiance, now husband. We've been married 20 years. And in 2001 was the year that we actually got married. And that was the year of 9-11. And, you know, talk about change and catastrophe. You know, I'm from New York originally. And, you know, when I think about some career pivots that I made, and that's something that I think is important for anyone that is in the workforce, whether they work in an office, out of an office, I made a huge career change right after 9-11. That's when I made the decision to go back, get my master's degree in counseling. You know, because at the time I was working as a corporate trainer, I was traveling. They had asked me to go on an assignment to London and I was terrified. And I also had just gotten married. So that was a big pivot for me. But I also want to mention, you know, not only pivots like that, but not everyone is going to be working in an office environment in corporate. You mentioned the people that work in food service. You think about the last three years with the pandemic and COVID and the great resignation and everything else. I think often about those that work in healthcare, those that work in the grocery stores, those that work in law enforcement, places that you don't have an option to work hybrid. You don't have an option to work remotely. And the reason I mention that, Khalil, we all are put on this earth with skills and purpose. We all have different things that make us come alive. We have different things that, you know, we like to share with others. You know, for example, you and I, obviously, we love to talk. Um, We love to educate. We love to teach. We, you know, we love to inspire. You know, I think of someone like my husband who is brilliant. He's a true leader, extremely introverted. You know, he does not have to talk to people all day to recharge. You know, that's something that I've been talking a lot about lately is how you recharge. You know, you and I, we recharge with people. 
But my husband and my son, they recharge alone. And there's a lot to be said about that when it comes to where your purpose is in the workforce. You may not want to sit behind a computer all day. You may want to be with people. And so, you know, I know for me during COVID, we went remote and I, I teach career planning at a, at a university here. And I struggled a little bit just being isolated from people. And I got to tell you, in the last year, the times that I have truly come alive was doing a workshop in person with students surrounding me, if that makes sense. Like, I like being around people. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, absolutely. That's so key. And I think it's just understanding where you fall in that dynamic. And it's funny, and it's it's something that most people kind of misconceive about me personally. And it's it's awesome to kind of hear you say it there. Because I love talking. I love teaching. I'm super extroverted. But I actually recharge by being an introvert. I actually recharge. And this is something that I've learned is like kind of a nuance. Sometimes I actually recharge with people. It just depends on where I'm at. It just depends on what's going on. And it, it, if I'm excited and I need to talk to someone about it, I need to go out and recharge that way. But if I had something really crazy happen or even just good and I just want to kind of sit in it, sometimes I like being on my own. And it's something my wife always jokes about is she's like, you're like a perfect balance between an extrovert and an introvert. Yeah. Ambivert. You're an ambivert. <laughs> Embivert. There yeah. it is. There's a word yes, for it. Yes, I love that. Well, you know what I learned? And you're probably like me too. You are probably a highly sensitive extrovert. A hundred percent. Yeah. Look that up. Absolutely. It's, I'm just like you where I thrive around others, but I also need my downtime. I need to be alone. It's so crucial. And this has been a really wonderful conversation. And I think if you get anything out of this conversation, it's really, you need to have the ability for your career to see you as a person and to be able to form to your person. We're done with the days of you forming to a job, to you forming to a leader. It's your life and you get to live that life. And Nicole, I wanted to give you the opportunity because I know we covered a lot, but I wanted to give you the opportunity just to cover anything or give a message that you want to give to the audience that maybe you haven't been able to give yet. I think if anything, just recognizing that today, and I say this all the time, it's not your final destination. You know, where you are today, if you think you have the most perfect plan as far as your career goes, understand that life happens. Everything can change tomorrow. And as long as you know in your heart that you're doing what you're meant to do, just keep going and don't give up. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for spending the Sunday morning with me. If you guys want to connect with Nicole, you can reach her on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, at NMD Careers, uh, as well as her website, nmdcareers.com. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked Podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok at Unstuck.